Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my man, Sage, freezing his butt off in Southern Oregon because I have no heat. Sage, what are you up to? I've got the hapless Lakers taking on the terrible Denver Nuggets on my television set right now. I don't know why I'm watching this, but I guess it's because I'm just that hoops junkie. I was just playing 2K, and if any of you guys play Xbox Live NBA 2K, I'm the Asian guy with the Pelican shirt and Blazers warm-up pants. See, he keeps it, well, we'll say he keeps it 50. He doesn't get quite 100 Rip City, but, you know, we'll take it. We love Sage. We love his Pelican fandom, all of that goodness. He did take his crow like a champ on the last episode, so big ups to Sage. But let's talk about our Trailblazers. Through four games, they're 2-2. Two and two. That's where I had them pegged. Sage was more of an optimist, said 3-1, and one, but neither of us saw this win last night in Minnesota where the Trailblazers fought back and scrapped and somehow managed to pull out a 106-101 victory. I don't know how they did it, Sage. I, I came home from work. I had the game on DVR, so I was behind a little bit. But when Minnesota jumped out to that 17-point lead, they blitzed us early. I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah, I, I it was my mother's birthday, so we were going out to dinner, but we wanted to watch the first half together. And after we saw that Flip Saunders, the homage to him, I was like, oh, they're going to be tough to beat, because that, that was a very well... It was well put together. It was sad. Like, I thought the T-Wolves were going to be real hyped for that game. And, and they were. They, they blitzed us. They jumped out to a 34-21 lead after the first quarter. They pressured Portland all over. I mean, not to be so terrible on words, but they were like a wolf pack. They swarmed us like a team, and they really turned their defense into offense via transition buckets, which is Portland's number one bugaboo. We saw this against the Clippers in the preseason, and we saw early on in that game. But like a veteran team, which you wouldn't usually say that about the Trailblazers if you looked at their age, they weathered the storm. I mean, it's what you have to do when a team has got that type of emotion riding on you. you got to ride that storm. you got to take a few shots in the gut to deliver a counter punch. So I'm, I'm proud of what the Blazers did in the later parts of that game. I mean, and it really started with defense. 13 of the last 17 possessions of the first quarter, Minnesota scored. That's what allowed them to go up 13. Uh, points after one through quarters two through four the trailblazers locked it down and held them to just 67 points they turned their defense into offense kind of flipped the script on the wolves they started they had runs of 11-0 to start the second quarter they had a 13-4 run to end the half which tied the which tied it up and like i said they, they they really cranked up the defense the last four minutes and 19 seconds of that first half portland held minnesota without a field goal and i want to give a shout out to al farouk Aminu because he was leading that charge he had 17 points, 9 rebounds. Shot looked just pure. 7 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 5 from distance. He just, if it wasn't for foul trouble, I think his numbers would have been even higher. But everyone's going to look at Dame, and rightfully so. But it was Aminu who really kind of allowed Portland not to drown. He, he kind of kept him afloat through that first half. But I, I personally thought it was Damien because... 
That offense is that offense would be absolutely horrible. You just can't him. you just can't bring it in your heart to give out Farouk's props yet, can you, buddy? No, I mean it's small sample size, bro. It, it, if he he has to prove it on a consistent basis that he is going to be a different player than what I've seen the last four years. So if he can be consistently good, you know what? I, I, I'll give him his props, but one game isn't going to make me a fan of his. And it's, it hasn't been one game, though. He scored 17 points against the Wolves, and then he backed it up. Or, excuse me, he previously had 16 points in each of the games against the Suns. Uh, in one of the Phoenix games, he was really the only who had it going aside from Lillard. We're talking about CJ for most improved, but if you look at stats... From the year prior, Al Farouk has actually done a very nice job, which I think is exactly what Neil Olshay envisioned when he signed him. I know it's going to take more of a sample size from Al Farouk to get him on your wagon. It's going to come, Sage. Just trust me. I've been right about this all along. You know, it's okay. No better I, late than never, my friend. I mean, I think your prediction about Andre Drummond getting most improved might be true because he is tearing it up. Yeah, not all. Not all my predictions have been so well. But back to back to the Minnesota game. What I've noticed in the Trailblazers when they have success is they share the basketball and it is almost exclusively based off of dribble penetration. Lillard is able to just slice and dice the defense. He draws defenses in and it allows him to kick it out to shooters or to swing around the perimeter. And there's no better shot than one that has came off of two or more passes. It just it gets the whole team in a rhythm. And for whatever reason, those shots tend to drop in more than just unassisted attempts. You know, one play in particular that stood out, and we're going to need to see more of this, was in the second quarter. C.J. McCollum split the defense. The big came up to him as he was entering the paint. He could have easily settled for a floater, but he jump-stopped, did a beautiful bounce pass to Noah Vonley, got the youngster a dunk. Not only was it an unselfish play, but he got the second-year player a little bit more confidence. As he, as he plays more, the more confident he's going to get. But it's buckets like those that get players involved. And for a scorer like CJ to think pass first in that situation shows very good progress as our backup point guard. CJ has been doing a lot of really nice pocket passes, like on pick and rolls or when he penetrates. He's been really consistent with the pocket pass, bounce pass to the big. You know, and, and CJ's not the only one who, who's dropping the dimes. I think the hashtag Dame Dime needs to start trending every game. Our guy Dame. Eight assists per game. That's third in the NBA. I don't think many people would have predicted that from a guy who is known as a, a shoot-first point guard and from a roster who lost four other starters. So even if you say he's a willing passer, most experts are going to say, well, who's going to make that shot if he's passing the ball? Well, he's finding his shooters, and he's finding his bigs, and he's doing a great job. I'm not even mad about the, the 4.5 turnovers a game. Guys like John Wall and Russell Westbrook, they're up there as well. It's going to happen. You know, we talked about him having a huge usage rate this year. It's coming to fruition, and with a high usage rate comes the turnovers. It's just something we're going to have to live with. But I think I'll take eight assists, four turnovers from Dame every night. So according to Basketball Reference, Damian Lillard has the same usage rate as Allen Iverson on those 2001 76ers teams. So you're saying we're going to the finals then, right, Sage? You know, they had a lot of gritty players, and so do we. It might happen. Maybe Al Farouk will be that George Lynch of the team. <laughs> hey, if that's as much love as you're going to give him tonight, I think i got to take it. But I'm really impressed that Stotts 
he could have went to Lillard a lot sooner in that fourth quarter when Minnesota was making that run, but Casey Holdall had a great tweet during the game that said, this season is based on player development. Both Neil and Terry want to see whether these guys sink or swim. You know, it was CJ, it was Noah, I think it was Alan Crabb, Ed Davis, and one other that was on the floor, and the veterans, Aminu and Lillard, were both on the bench, but he let them play, I believe, Portland was plus two with Lillard off the floor in the fourth quarter. So that's a small victory right there. If you're looking for, you know, obviously they won the game, but if you're looking for victories inside the game, that's huge. Not only is Dame not playing 40 minutes a night, you know, I'll take, he's playing 36.8. I'll take that whole season. That's the perfect amount for him. But other players are learning. They can do this, you know, they can do this too. It's just not all Dame. You know, it wasn't pretty without him on the court, but they found ways to score. I can keep talking about Dame all night, you know, 25.5 points per game, fifth in the NBA, so he's fifth in scoring, third in assists, 22.4 PER rating, he's even like stealing the ball, you know, 1.5 times a game. He has played awesome. Next level, next level. Next level, he's taken his game to the next level. People wanted to see what he would do without without his guys. Uh, He's played amazing, and that game was probably one of the best games I've seen him play and that game I'm referring to was the Minnesota game, just because of how efficient he was. His three ball looked like he had found it after after he lost it for, for, for many months. He did not take a single bad shot. That's been my one criticism of Lillard is his shot selection. Whether it's a deep pull-up three or you know a, a tough fadeaway, I thought he really picked his spots well when he attempted his shots. And at times, it, he did have to take a little bit tougher shot, but the Wolves started to just really surround him and not only send a, a, an extra defender, but a third and fourth defender at times because they were willing to let other people beat them rather than Lillard, which is a very smart decision. But Dane was just so on that night. It was the perfect balance. It's one of the best games I've seen him play in 2015. What do you think about that, Sage? I'm wondering what tier of point guard do you think Dame is at right now? Is he at the Chris Paul Curry? Well, 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 first of all, it's, it's Curry has Excuse his own level. Me. Yeah, now. all right, yeah. Has his own level. That that dude is in another stratosphere. So I think you've got stratosphere Curry. Tier two, I would say Russell. I think Russell is in his own tier right now, too. Then I think you've got Chris Paul, John Wall, Kyrie, Dame, Tony Parker. Playoff Tony Parker. Regular season mm. Tony Parker. I think he just hibernates like a friggin' bear. I mean... When springtime rolls around, he's fresh as a daisy and ready to go, and he's lethal during the playoffs, so you have to consider him. So if we're going by those tiers, I would say he's, he's tier three. I guess that shows you how ridiculously deep point guards oh, are. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've tried to think, has there been another era where there's been such great play at, at the lead guard, and I really don't think there is. No. And w- one thing about roster construction I like is that I think Dame of the core players is the oldest. And I like... If you go by, like, most championship teams, the best player is usually the oldest player. You know, he's undoubtedly the leader on multiple times. I've seen him bring the team together during a timeout. Like, the, all eyes are on him, not the coach. And it's not a Dame versus Stotts power struggle. It's just Stotts realizing Dame has the player's ear right now. Let him lead. And I, you know, really congratulate Terry for letting go a little bit this year and let Dame, you know, take kind of a pseudo player coach role, which is so great to see. But it can't all be Lillard. I would like to see the Blazers run a little more post-up. I know they don't have really the player personnel to execute that on an efficient basis. But I counted two post plays ran 
during the Minnesota game. One resulted in a Plumlee hook shot. Uh, the other one, they didn't score. But on a night, there are going to be nights, and we've seen them already this year, when the offense, when the outside shot is not falling. Portland has to at least show a threat of posting players. But just like the NFL, you're going up against an air raid offense. That offense is going to have to run the ball once, twice, five times. They've got to keep the defense honest. And I think Portland needs to show a couple different looks. You know, Plumlee's not the most pretty player in the post, but he scored on a couple of occasions and I wouldn't mind seeing him, him get his, his due down there. You know, he's shooting almost 70% from the floor. Um, just crazy efficient. And I'd also like to see more pick and roll out of the offense. Mm-hmm. That's Plumley's bread and butter. That's a Lillard's bread and butter. The team can just do so much more. I think I saw over the course of these four games, when they struggle, there's just a lot of, unnecessary motion on offense movement seems like they're starting to play out in the perimeter and there's a screen and the guy runs through and it's passed back to the top of the key and nobody's really cutting to the basket or making a basketball move. It's just like they're playing four corners and trying to kill the clock. And I think that it gives the defense just such a huge advantage. You're letting them off the hook. Yeah. You know, keep attacking, keep attacking. Let's go. I mean, like, 60% of NBA plays are pick and roll, so we need to utilize that weapon because it's a really effective weapon. One other thing. We mentioned this game on our previous podcast when we were previewing it, and you mentioned I rattled off all these Timberwolf players' names and didn't even say Andrew Wiggins, and I was like, I can't believe that. You know, Wiggins, Mm -hmm. rookie of the year last year, you know, he's going to be a stud. You said Paul George's defense with whose offense? Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay's offense. The Portland got away, and I won't. I'm not saying this is a slight, but they got away with playing CJ McCollum on him for almost the entire night. And I thought CJ not only held his own, but Wiggins was a complete non-factor. I looked at the box score, and I was honestly shocked to see that he had 16 points. Not as shocked to see that it came off of 17 attempts, and he only made five of them. So that's that Rudy Gay offense. That's pretty close to a Rudy Gay stat line. So you know, star for you, Sage. You know, he only had six rebounds, didn't even hit a three. He was really a non-factor. I thought Kevin Martin was much more oh, effective yeah. against, our, against our young guards just because he's so crafty and he's always looking to draw contact and get to the free throw line, which he does. Thankfully, he missed three free throws, which it will never happen again. So we yeah. definitely Dodge got it with, with that one. But, you know, kudos to CJ. Everyone's, you know, coming into the season, they're doubting whether he can play point guard, doubting his defense, saying all he does is score, score, score. He's dishing the ball pretty well, and I, I like his effort on defense. It's all about effort, man. And with with the Trailblazers, you see the effort. There's a lot of more talented teams that just don't have the effort that the Portland Trailblazers do. You know, and let's just talk about Carl, Carl Anthony Towns for a second. This kid is going to be a monster, like yeah. Space Jam monster. When he took that three to cut the lead to two, I was just like, you know, shoot, 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 go. Splash! I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This dude just has no conscience. And he has some post moves, man. He has post moves. He's got court vision. 19 year old that has post moves in this NBA, man. That's so rare. And he plays good D, help D. Like they have got themselves. And he's being mentored by Kevin Garnett. So this is a perfect storm Mm. for the Wolves. I think one more good off season, a smart off season, and they're gonna be scary. I think they're really going to have to figure out what they want to do with Peck's contract. I'm I'm not entirely sold on them loving Rubio's contract as well. Um, Levine, 
I think still needs to figure his game out. But if you can build around Towns and Wiggins, that's that's a good young core. So you know, get your licks in on the Wolves while you can now. Awesome, yeah, man. and that that's just unbelievably scary. And I mean, Heck is still a usable player, and Rubio is as well. So you know, yeah, Rubio almost had a triple triple double. But you know, last thought on, on the Minnesota game. Just a gritty, courageous victory, you know, to go into that arena. Not only was it their home opener, which is hard enough to get a victory, but it was the flip tribute. I mean, can you? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've had all week to think about that and and plan that. And, you know, they they come out and they blitz the Blazers. But Portland just weathers the storm, calm, cool, collective. And it got a little bit dicey there. They, They went up 10. Everyone thought they had it in the bag. Minnesota fought back. They still found a way. For a young, young team, that was a huge victory, especially coming off of two really, really disappointing losses in Phoenix. Sage, I was at the game on Halloween, and I was I was sure we were going to win that game. We had lost the night before mm-hmm. in Phoenix. It wasn't their home opener, but they had that ridiculous ring of honor night for Steve Nash. That halftime ran 40 minutes. I don't care what anybody says. That had a huge effect on the Trailblazers, especially being the road team. Obviously, it's not an excuse, but Portland just could not get anything going on that night. And I think the big key was free throw disparity. Phoenix put up 42 free throws to Portland's to Portland's 19. You know, that's the game right there. You yeah, lose by exactly. 18 points. I mean, obviously, it got away from Portland in the long run, but it was a, you know, it was a 10-point game throughout. But yes, Phoenix was more aggressive, but... I kind of felt like Coach Dots. I don't didn't think they were calling it too evenly. Again, not the reason we lost, but any time a team scores or gets to the line 42 times, especially at home, that is going to be a tough, tough ask for your team. And I, I think Tyson Chandler listened to the podcast at, well, when we both said, you know what you're going to get from Tyson Chandler. It's good defense and not much offense. Didn't he have like 15 points that game? Like, you don't yep. get that from KC. 15 points and 13 rebounds. He definitely came out like a man possessed. Unfortunately, they had just got spanked by the Mavericks on their home opener, so that added more fuel to their fire. So it was kind of just like, you know, Portland was walking into the lion's den that night. How did and, you feel about Tyson, like, bullying our bigs? How did you, you feel know, about it? Because Twitter was you know, angry. Thought, you know, I thought it was to be honest with you. Has always had a reputation as a slightly dirty player, but... Everyone seems to like him and get along with him once the game's over. But what he did, that was just that was a pretty cheap shot. Plumley was already on the ground. He shoves him down. I love the fact that Mace, you know, didn't take any anything from it and went after him. But the fact that he got a technical as long as Tyson, that was kind of messed up. I thought that should have been on Tyson. But it, I don't think it, it really would have mattered in that game. Bloodsoe and Knight were just unconscious. And I thought for Portland to at least get a split. During those two games, McCollum and Lillard had to outplay the backcourt of Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe. I mean, yeah, it, when, when people are shooting that well, it's like, all right, you got this game, man. Because you don't expect Eric to shoot that well. You don't expect Brandon Knight to be that effective. So No, I mean, you like, don't. Like, if, if tip you your go, hat. Like, exactly. you got to tip your hat sometimes. Excuse me, good offense beats, beats good defense. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the, the first game on Friday, Lillard and McCollum combined for 40 points on 14 of 42 shooting, nine assists to nine turnovers, definitely not the assist-to-turnover ratio you're looking for, only getting to the line seven times. In comparison, Knight and Bledsoe had 40 points of their own, but they only took 28 shots to get them in you know, comparison to Portland's 42. 
Uh, they had seven assists, and they got to the line 13 times. What really turned the tide for Phoenix in Portland on Halloween night and allowed them to escape with a road victory was Damon CJ. They just did not have it at all. 38 points, 14 of 32 shooting. The assist-to-turnover ratio was a little bit better. They had 12 assists, 6 turnovers. But again, they only got to the line 8 times. Knight and Bledsoe just exploded. It was a, you know, it was a solar, solar eclipse at the Rose Garden. They had 60 points on 22 of 40 field goals. I can't stress how efficient that is and how tough they were. Every time they needed a bucket, it was one of them just either shooting a three or getting to the line. You know, 13 attempts at the line, 11 dimes, four turnovers. They were the reason they won that game. And when Portland goes up against, you know, back, they're going to go up against the backcourt this, this upcoming week. And Reggie Jackson and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. KCP. KCP. Dame, as we talked about in this podcast before, 40 to 45% of the offense are going to come from Lillard and McCollum. If they're not efficient and they can't get it going, it's going to be almost a guaranteed loss every night. So watch the games. If neither of them have it going, it's, usually it's going to be a long night. So through four games, Portland's 2-2. Two and two. Mike Rice in, in the Rip City program, his bold prediction was that the Trailblazers would average over 100 points per game. In the preseason, that didn't seem like much of a bold prediction. We were getting buckets on everybody. But scouting is a mother. If you score, they will find you and find ways mm-hmm. to stop you. So through four games, the Trailblazers, they are averaging, they're at that 100-point mark, which is 17th best in the league, pretty, pretty average. And defensively, not too shabby. You know, they've allowed 101.5 points. Again, 17th uh, best in the league. For a team like this, you're 2-2. Two and two, You kind of expect to be middle of the road in both of those categories. What really concerns me is the lack of free throws. And it has to do with not having a, a back-to-the-basket player. You would think it would come from, from Lillard and McCollum, but they can only drive so much. It's mm-hmm. a long season. You don't want them getting banged up. They're averaging, as a team, 20 free throws a game, which is 22nd in the league. That's, that's just not going to cut it. But what really shocked me is I looked up last year. Portland averaged even fewer free throws a game, 19.4. That was third worst in the entire NBA. I mean, we were just really letting that fly. LA wasn't getting to the cup at all. But I, I still would have thought that LaMarcus or, or Wes or Dame, that they would have gotten to the line more than 19 times. That, that, that number really shocked me. So I guess, you know, if you're looking, if you're a person like myself looking for the free throw numbers to go up this season, probably not going to happen if we're looking back on last year. But what's really telling is the Clippers announcer, who we all were annoyed at during the preseason game, you know, Ralph Lawler, has Lawler's Law. First team to 100 points usually wins the game. That could be the case for the Trailblazers this year. We're 2-0 and with scoring over 100. We're averaging 109 in wins, just 91 in losses. You look back last year, we averaged about 106 in wins, but more in losses. We averaged 98 points in losses. Over the course of last season, they were 39 and 13 when scoring 100. So I definitely think that's going to be the magic number for this team just because we have so many new players. The chemistry is going to take a while to get accustomed to everybody. And there just isn't, outside, outside of Lillard, there just isn't that second go-to player. You know, as much as I, I dog on LaMarcus, he did have those nights where he was a beast. He was hitting that shot. And not only that, but like you said, he bends the defense. He puts pressure on the defense. When you have an extra player to do that, that makes it so much easier for the other three players. But when you only have one player that does that, see us high 90s but when you're a jump shooting team who doesn't have just an arsenal of jump shooters it's going to be tough to get to the 100 point mark but 
even when shots aren't falling, your defense could always be there for you. If the Blazers keep up their defense, that's what will keep them in the games throughout the course of the season. It's going to be tough to get a lot of wins without a good defense. In the preseason, I saw Mason and Myers just play extremely good defense that led to fast break opportunities. And if we can't get free throws, we have to have be able to run on fast breaks. And if you don't run on fast breaks, you're just going to be in your offense. And with one dude to break down the defense, it's not enough. So we need we need to play better defense. You know, I completely agree. But speaking of Myers, uh, it wasn't reported. It's official. The Trailblazers and Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless did not come to an extension agreement before the November 2nd deadline. If the Trailblazers make both of those players qualifying offers, they will be restricted free agents. Uh, for those that don't know, a restricted free agent is your own free agent. You can go over the salary cap to sign them. The benefit of that is if another team goes out and signs them, you have 72 hours to match that offer. Nick Batum, Ennis Cantor, Paul Millsap, Wesley Matthews. Uh, Portland's been around the block this far. What worries me slightly is Mark Spears sent out a tweet from Yahoo Sports that said, quietly there are a few execs hoping that Myers and Portland do not come to an agreement. Um, as we know, the salary cap is going to boom this offseason. So if Myers picks it up, he's going to get paid. And now it's going to be a, a business decision whether or not Olshay can come to terms with Myers' as agent. Obviously, Myers wants to stay in Portland. The fans want him to stay in Portland. But money talks. And if somebody throws out a ridiculous number, you have to remove yourself from the feelings and handle business. Business should never be personal. Myers himself was quoted as saying, you know, he's going to bet on himself this season. And while I love, love, love that attitude, it's, it just hasn't worked out so far for him. To be, to, be, to be honest, I mean, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. He only has 25 total points on the season in four games, shooting 28% from the field. And out of 17 three-point attempts, he's only connected twice. That's 11.8%. He's not getting to the line like many of our players. He's only attempted six free throws. To be honest, he looks like he's pressing. I think these contract negotiations, whether he wants to say they were on his mind, dwelling on his mind or not, I think they are. They're playing a factor. Thankfully, they're done, and he can go out and just play. I think a lot of people are also forgetting that in that New Orleans game, he fell on his arm, and he was wearing a shooting sleeve. He, not, he doesn't usually wear a shooting sleeve. He said he was feeling numbness. You know, a shooter has to have his arm and his mm -hmm. fingers. Like that's, It's like telling a runner to go run a marathon without your legs. It, it's just not going to happen. I think too many people are, are quick to jump off the Myers bandwagon. You know, I've never seen a group of fans with a player love him and hate him so quickly. Oh, he's yeah. like, why, why do we pick this guy? Why do we pick him? He's trash. He's a waste of a lottery pick. Playoffs come. Oh, my God, Myers. I'm buying that jersey. I mean, Myers legend, tweeting about him all summer. You know, 50, 40, 90, just buying the hype. Slow down, Rip City. It's four games. He's four games. He is a young buck. Starting for the first time in his career, he came off the bench at Illinois. Give him some time. He's not healthy. He's obviously rushing his shots. And to be quite honest, I don't think it's all his fault. In the preseason, we mentioned we saw him getting looks off of flare screens, off of pick and rolls, off of just a plethora of ways. They are not using Myers Leonard at all. Yes, yeah, the creativity is gone. The creativity in getting Myers Leonard open looks is completely gone. And that starts with the coaching staff. 
Yes, he's missing shots, but shooters have to shoot. Yeah, and, and it's hard and, to hit a three-point shot, an uh, NBA three-point shot. It's a hard thing to do. So give him some time. It's four games. It's such a small sample size. So for the people that are saying he sucks again, you got to give him a little more time, man. It, it, it's a process. And I still think he can be the third option on offense, personally. Oh, I, com- I completely agree. And we and need for- that third person. For Portland to win this year, we need 15 points per game out of Myers. You need to do Dame. Dame needs to do Dame things. CJ needs to do CJ things. Get what you can from guys like Aminu and Henderson and Davis on the glass. But Myers has to become that third weapon on offense. We saw in the Memphis series, he completely changed how Memphis was defending us because he was able to take Gasol out. Once he gets hot, I think we're going to start to see the offense open up a bit. Again, a little bit's on Myers, a little bit's on the coaching staff. I also want to say I think they need to use C.J. McCollum off the ball more, run him around like Rip Hamilton. He is a money knockdown shooter from mid-range. Let's oh, get him yeah. off the curls. Let's run him off the baselines. Make the defense work. Um, one knock I would say on how we're using C.J. is just he has the ball in his hands a little bit too much, a little bit too much I, on I, one. I agree. Like Kyle so, Corver. Exactly. Kyle Corver, you know, Reggie, Ray, all the shooters, because this kid can shoot from three. He's a 40% yeah. shooter. He's proven it time and time again. Let's get him some looks off the ball. But again, I mean, I keep contradicting myself a little bit, but it's the Blazers are playing the cards they were dealt. They do not have a, a backup point guard, a true. If In a perfect world, they would have a backup point guard, and TJ could save the two, so when Dame takes a rest, he would be able to still run off the ball. Unfortunately, with Tim Frazier, the, the staff isn't as comfortable with him running the show when Dame rests or in, you know, uh, extended minutes. So then CJ is having to run the, run the offense when Dame sits and he's not a, I mean, he can't run the offense and set himself up to score. So, you know, it's kind of a chicken or egg situation right there. I mean, to the Blazer fans, I would want a, another backup point guard. There isn't that many. So do you guys want Ish Smith running the point? Absolutely uh, not. No, no, thanks Sage. Uh, after reading your texts, uh, this this evening, I think that will be a huge pass from me and all of Rip City. He's the worst point guard I've ever seen. And when we break down other NBA teams, there's a whole thing about Anthony Davis's attitude, and I blame it sixty percent on Ishmith. All right, we'll we'll get to that in a minute, Sage. But I think a lot of people are still forgetting Gerald Henderson. Gerald Henderson is still on this team. He's a veteran presence, NBA player. He's an NBA player. He is a rotation guy who will make life easier on everybody. But obviously, if he plays, that means somebody else has got to sit on the bench. Who do you see? Who do you see's role is, is going to get you know um, decreased once Henderson comes back? I've got my thoughts, but I want to kind of get yours first. And he's been like a 15 per his entire career, which is an average player. So. You gotta have you gotta find time for the average player. I honestly think it's gonna be Mo Harkless because Alan Crabb adds offense and spacing. I completely disagree with you, buddy. <laughs> I, I know, I know you do, but I mean, I, I, care, Crab- I care about spacing. <laughs> Spacing's great, but you have to be able to shoot the ball. Mo Harkless is shooting forty percent from three. Alan Crabb is only shooting eighteen percent from three. So where's the threat? Mo Harkless is a threat right now. Alan Crabb needs to step up. He had that steal. I will give him credit for that. It was a great defensive play. Mm-hmm. But he is getting wide open looks that he needs to, frankly, start knocking down. Because if not, he's going to see himself on the bench because Henderson will knock down those shots or he'll do other things 
on the on the basketball floor because Alan Crabb's not really going to give you any assists or or rebounds. He's he's in there to score the ball, mm. and if you're you know shooting just thirty three percent from the field, that's not cutting it. You know, you look at Harkless; he's got seven points, four four rebounds, shooting forty six percent from the field in the exact same amount of playing time. I think he's outplaying him, and I think he's more of a versatile player. I think he he can play the three and the four, whereas Crabb is probably just 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 a three, but. We won't know until Henderson comes back. I, I think I think it's Crab that's going to get his minutes cut. You think it's Harkless? Um, it'll be interesting to see what our fans think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at HolyBackboardPDX. Who do you think is going to see their minutes reduced once Gerald Henderson returns? Do you know when that will will be? You know they're keeping it pretty tight lipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly thought you know in the preseason, maybe the pre preseason training camp, that he would be back in time for opening night. Obviously, we're into the first week of the season. Um, again, Casey Holdall's been tweeting that both he and Cliff Alexander are, you know, taking place in, in practice drills. So, you know, if you're practicing, it's got to be around the corner sooner, you know, again, sooner rather than later for, for Henderson's return. But, you know, we love talking trailblazers. Mm-hmm. We love it. That's why we do this podcast. Every night that we podcast, you know, we both do research. I love it. I get excited before every, every time we record. But we also are a fan of hoops, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's take a let's take a look around the NBA. Um, what are a couple things? Actually, first, first, scrap that. What is up with your Pelicans? O and four, Sage. O and four. You just got smashed at home tonight by the. No, Orlando. no, 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 no. We, we brought it back. Um, you were getting smashed. Oh, we though. were getting demolished. But so that's what counts. I blame it on the perimeter defense. Ish Smith. I mean, our 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 point guard rotation is. 17 minutes of Drew Holiday, Tony Douglas, and Ish Smith, the ball-hogging god. I, I, I would have thought with the 17 minutes of Drew Holiday that our perimeter defense would be a little bit better, but it's not. I miss Tyreek Evans. Um, well, if you're talking about perimeter defense, you better be missing Quincy Pondexter. Oh, my God. Well, Q, I mean, Quincy did his thing when he played with an injured knee for the entire season. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him rest for a little while. Alonzo G, I absolutely hate him. He does a lot of little things, but he is so frightened to take a three point shot. Was well, he, he just, can't shoot, Sage. Sage, he can't shoot. Like he does so many dangerous things on defense. Like he'll uh, try and get play the passing lanes when he doesn't have position. I, I'm sick of Alonzo G. I'm sick of Ish Smith. Anthony Davis is not hustling, and it's so. Why do you think he's not hustling? I think it's one hundred percent the point guards aren't getting him involved in the offense. I mean, if you look because we box, saw the Blazers, he's getting, he's getting his shots, man. So what? What, what else does he want? Is he I just getting he his shots to, not within the offense, or it's definitely not within the offense? It's definitely not in positions where he can score. Like if. if he gets the ball, it's three seconds left on the shot clock, and he has to hoist up some crappy shot. So right now, Eric Gordon is our most lethal offensive player, and he's trying hard, which for Eric yeah, Gordon I mean, is do you, do you still think playoffs are in the picture? I do, and I know there's a bunch of stats that say 0-4 is... Yeah, ESPN said if you start 0-4, only one team in NBA history has rebounded to make the playoffs, and that was the 6 7 Mavericks, who ended up winning 67 games. Uh, unfortunately, my friend, I don't see you going 67 and 11 the rest of the way. It's uh, four games, man. Like, just think about it in football. Like, it's one game. Like, it's, it's not West much of the season. The conference is so tough. 
six five, six teams are tough. The, the seven and eight spot are very open. Phoenix is a lot better than I thought. That just because they're more vet, Dallas is playing good vet basketball right now too. And I'm not saying they have a better future than New Orleans. Oh, not but I mean, right now. But right now, it's it's going to be a lot more difficult for New Orleans to make the playoffs than I originally. I thought they were a guaranteed number seven. Uh, I, I still say playoffs. I mean, ESPN can say all these stats, but I still have faith. It's You're a not long getting season. that dub over the Trailblazers healthy or not, my friend. <laughs> not with CJ McCollum and not with that defensive nope, strategy. No oh, my God. That, the, uh, that is the worst defense I've ever seen. Like, I, I'm... I'm messing with the Blazers so much more because of the effort that they show every game. Like, you know, that's if Anthony about, Davis is jogging on a fast break. Come on, son. Come on, son. Yeah, if, if you're going to be a, an MVP candidate, you he know, signed the everyone's... richest contract in history of the NBA. Everybody has him as a top three player in the league. Not right now, man. Not for the biggest Anthony Davis fan in the world. Exactly. He definitely needs to show his leadership. I know yeah. he's a young buck, yeah. but he needs to show his leadership, and it all starts with actions. Um, but one team, we go from an 0-4 team to a team that's 4-0. The Golden State Warriors are just toying with the rest of the NBA right now, and it's, it's surprising. One, they're doing it without Steve Kerr. Two, they're doing it. They're acting like they're the hunted. Usually after coming off of a championship, teams are a little fat. You know, they, they've ate. You know, they ate that championship. They look hungry. They look like they starved themselves over the summer. Um, I think they really all embody what Draymond Green's been preaching. But, man, Steph Curry has just been – he's on a whole other level right now. He has three 20-plus point quarters. All of the NBA has won, and that was our dude CJ McCollum on opening night. So, Steph Curry has how many? Three. And rest two of, the of has, them are against New Orleans. Yeah. And CJ had the other one versus New Orleans. Perimeter defense. So are we saying their perimeter defense isn't that good? I think so. Oh, God. Ish Smith, I hate but, her so much. But my God, they're beating teams by 25 points a game. Mm-hmm. They smashed Memphis. Memphis, a team that took them to six games last year by 50 points, and Curry didn't even play the fourth. I- I've never seen that type of dominance this early in the season. Mm-hmm. Since the the and it wasn't even early season, the Bulls just destroyed the Jazz in one of the games in, in the '97 Finals, um, which was kind of like you know an outlier. This doesn't look look like an outlier. Mm-hmm. They play each other. They play each other next Wednesday in Memphis, and I think Memphis is in for a rude awakening. They're going to make the playoffs, but when do the Blazers play them? We play them Thursday. So you know that'll be a good. That's a an L. I'm sorry, Blazers Nation, Rip City. Well, we'll talk about the schedule in a little bit, but. How do you guard just, Steph Curry? How do you guard him? There, there is no way to guard Steph Curry. Because the pundits are saying, you got to be rough with him. Well, Drew Holiday was rough with him, and it pissed him off, and he went for 30 and a quarter. Well, the problem with today's NBA is you can't put your hand on a defender. You go back to the 90s when it was a little more, more grit and grind. You could put your hand on a defender, you know, get him out of his comfort zone, but it, it's kind of... When you have a player who's so quick and so elusive and you're, you're really playing without your hands, it's nearly impossible, especially with how quick of a release he has. I want one team to do the Jordan rules except for Steph Curry. I really want to see that. I know in today's NBA it's a frowned upon, but man. I think it'll come to that, maybe in the playoffs if the Clippers get to him, because that seems like a really uh, a budding rivalry. And we'll see if the Warriors can go to 5-0 Wednesday night when they do take on the Clippers. 
But this dude's averaging 37 points on 60% shooting, 49% shooting from, from three, and 96 from the line. I mean, he's just setting all sorts of precedents right now. Um, whether you like him or not, it's just he, LeBron, MJ. I'm not even seeing Kobe puts up a lot of points, but not not not, not like this. Way, in his this front. Way. No, not efficiently. Just he's really in rare air right now. And I think if you are a fan of the NBA, if he's on the tube, you know, take your time and enjoy this cat yeah, because and he's, he's never on league pass. It's always it's always he's easy. always on national games. Like t- enjoy him. Like mm-hmm. he is a great player you know the fans of golden state they have a great fan base who've always supported the team so i, I have yeah. no problem with with them being successful you know they've waited a long time to win a championship just like our trailblazers have do you but, like the warriors as like a team do you like them i don't like them because they're good like and that comes with i liked them a little bit before uh, when they upset the nuggets in that first round series and took san antonio mm. you know i like them there but once a team becomes good it's just kind of like that that hater comes out in me and i'm just like you know i don't i don't mess with y'all i kind of um, feel like they're the type of cocky dudes that will watch their mixtapes and highlight vids their bench is like the way their bench acts it's like choreographed art it's not like sportsmanship it's I, I don't mess with that that team. I don't mess with. But the, if that was if that was Portland doing that, beating teams by fifty, celebrating. Hell yeah, I like that. I, if yeah, that's but my, it's not us, so we can hate. Yeah, we can hate, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm not going to hate it too much because if that was my squad, I'd oh. be you know out there dancing with two, posting gifts, vines, you know, retweeting everything going on on that bench. But another player who has just completely stood out has been Andre Drummond. Man, the I mean, draft the Kings must have right there. I mean, he he has to be. A DraftKings must have, you know, a fantasy must have, an NBA center must have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pistons are three and one. They did take an L tonight against the Pacers, but the dude had twenty five points and twenty nine boards. I mean, is that your that, just just let that sink in for a bit? Twenty nine boards, and when he does it, you're just like, oh yeah, that's just Dre. You know, it's just twenty. That's just another night for him. That's what it's come to with this dude. Is that your uh, the boo that you want on the Blazers most now? Did he pass oh. DeMarcus in your heart, or is it still DeMarcus? No, it's still Boogie, just because I, I think he's a little bit more attainable, and I think Boogie's got more offensive skills. Drummond's just so raw. I'm not sure he's it's, – it's crazy to say. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to you know, mold that into a back-of-the-basket center. He relies a lot on his athleticism. We'll see later on in his career if he's able to you know, play beyond athleticism like so many players have – have done. Jordan was able to do it. A guy like Andre Miller still in the league because he's crafty as hell. He, you know, he's 19 points, 16 rebounds. He's definitely already the front runner for most approved player. He was my non-biased pick, but again, it's four games. It, it's so hard to sweat players and teams, um, but it just slides. comes to the territory. Yeah. You know, we, we live in the moment. That's just kind of yeah, the nature of our society. the moment right now. You know, that's it. And uh, last thing uh, in our around the NBA talk is it's really made my heart smile to see the Houston Rockets go one of three. I was really, uh, you know, I really don't like the Thunder, but I was kind of bummed they lost to the Rockets. I would have loved to see Houston go 0-4. James Harden just looks terrible. Uh, they haven't been able to get Ty Lawson involved. They just blew a mat. I watched that comeback that the he had against Oh, my Kits. God, man. 21-point lead. I mean, it was so beautiful. With um, Mario Chalmers and some white guy are the catalysts. Man, it's... Tyler Johnson. I didn't even know Tyler Johnson was in the league, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah, when I call him some white guy. But it was, you know, a thing of beauty. I, I don't really think it's going to last long, but anytime a team I despise goes through a slump, 
puts a smile on Dustin's heart. Uh, any, before we wrap this NBA talk up, Sage, any, anything else stand out to you over the first week of the season? No, I mean, I think we covered it. So, Sage, I've said all along, I think it's going to have to be the Dame and CJ show for this team to succeed. You know, just throwing numbers out there, I've always thought they've got to combine for over 50 points a night, and they have to shoot somewhat efficient, over 45%. That's such a lofty thing to accomplish, though. But I, when, know, I mean, I know that it has to be done, but it, like... It has to be done for lot. this team. Just because the bigs, you're not going to get consistent scoring from the bigs, and you know what CJ can do. You know, we still, he's still a little inconsistent, but you know he's got that potential to score in buckets in bunches. So, you know, I think they, they have to really score, you know, 50 a night. And if you look at the wins, they're averaging 55 points a game, shooting 50%. The losses, it dips down to 39 points per game, and they only shoot 43.7%. I mean, I think we can go back and even do this after each month, the midway point of the season, at the end of the season, we can look back and wins. It's going to be those two guys that have great nights or, or, carry, or one of the other carry the team. Because CJ carried us opening night. Dame did it last night against Minnesota. So one of those two, they're either going to have to combine forces and just tag team the game, or one of them is going to have to go nuclear for Portland to win. You know, I'm still standing strong with my 37 wins. Four games into the season is not going to, you know, waver my prediction. It's way too knee-jerk of a reaction. Um, But speaking of knee-jerk reactions, I I love Blazer fan Sage, but reading Twitter and the message boards, it's... It hurts my soul to read some of the stuff that I hear fans talking about. Just, you know, one game we're going to win the championship. The next game we're going 1-81. We've told you on this podcast before, ride the roller coaster mm-hmm. with caution. It's not going to be an even season. There's going to be so many highs and so many lows. And I think a lot of it comes from expectations. You know, if you expected this team to come out and win 45 games a season, you know, be the seventh seed in the playoffs, you know, unfortunately, I think you're going to be, you know, disappointed majorly disappointed some of my most favorite seasons are the seasons where nobody expects anything from us i would say brandon and marcus's rookie year the year when the following year when greg Oden got hurt uh the 1999 lockout season when we had made the playoffs the previous year it just surprised everyone and made it to the conference finals when you don't have expectations and you just go into the game with you know a joy to watch the player development watch them play hard like you said you know, just watch basketball you were going to get so much out of the season rather than writing every single win or loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are also really good Blazer fans. And oh, no. Really intelligent I, Blazer fans. And I am not calling out all, but I'm just saying... No, just, just some. It's just the... the of what I've seen, mm-hmm. nothing too much on our feed. But again, you know, I, I venture off into other people's feeds and, you know, kind of takes you down to a rabbit hole and you kind of see what people are saying. Um, definitely more of a minority, but for those minority, just Relax. It's basketball. It is great. Enjoy this season. It is going to be what the Blazers are going to need to build upon. Mm-hmm. And to build upon this two and two week, they have four more games upcoming, Sage. Yep, we have the Jazz tomorrow at six, followed by a back-to-back at home against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, which will be a nationally televised game on TNT oh, at oh. 7.30. Um, and then two days off, followed by another home and away back-to-back starting Sunday. At six against the surprising Pistons, which will be a fantastic game. And of course, it would not be a Trailblazer season without the second night of a back to back being in Denver. The Blazers have to take on the Nuggets at the Pepsi Center at six o'clock. My friend, that 
on paper, that first glance doesn't look like a tough four-game stretch. You've got Jazz, Grizzlies, Pistons, and Nuggets. But if you go game by game and the way they're situated in two sets of back-to-backs, I, I'm not certain where I see the wins coming from in that set. I'm still going to go two and two for the week, but I, I couldn't predict the wins if you you know held a gun to my head and say you predict two of these wins. I just I couldn't tell you. I mean, you could say Denver, but that the mile high that the fan base is pretty rabid as well. My, so. And they're a veteran team. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, I don't think they have a brighter future than Portland. But they've got guys like Fareed, Chandler, and Gallinari. You know those are proven. He's playing well too. You know, he's play, you know they got a young point guard again. You catch him on a good night. You know they just went into Los Angeles and beat the Lakers one twenty to to one hundred nine, keeping the Lakers uh, defeated on the season which always makes my heart smile as well. So they have talent. I guess I would say I think we win in Denver, and I think we win on national TV against the Grizzlies. <sighs> my God, man. The great minds think alike or what? Yeah, because I was thinking these are one, like national televised game. You know we the don't players. expect them to win. This is the only time on TNT to catch the Trailblazers this year. You know they know that. I actually agree with you on both. So great minds think alike. And, you know, kudos to you, buddy. Like, because I don't think we could handle Detroit's front court. Utah is going to be a really difficult team to score on, which isn't good. Their defense is pretty damn good. And... I think they'll go all out to stop Damien. I think Memphis is going to take us lightly, even though it's on national TV, and we'll squeak out a win there. And then Denver, it's going to be a really tough game, but I think we might squeeze it out by like five points. You know, I think Denver is going to be kind of like a carbon copy of the Minnesota game. I think they might come out quick on us, and I think we're going to have to, again, you know, play through a lot of adversity, but find a way to dig deep and win in an environment that, up until recently, has been a house of horrors. Mm-hmm. We we played well while they were down the past two years, but again, we had our two fifty win teams going there. But even in the past, you know, I, I know the ninety nine two thousand Trailblazers, they could not buy a win in Denver, and Denver was one of the worst teams in the NBA. So that that arena has always been tough. Again, it is on the second night of a back to back. You're playing in the high altitude. The airport is like an hour away from the arena. So we picked Den- the back the second night of back to backs on both games too. Yeah, Denver. Denver's going to be getting two days rest, but I think Portland finds a way. Um, Utah, I really just don't see a victory. Not only are the Jazz have been resting at home since Saturday, which is ridiculous. It's their home opener. Um, that's This is going to be the second one Portland's had to play in. Third, if you count the Steve Nash ring ceremony. And the Trailblazers are 20-66 and 66 all-time in Salt Lake City. That's just... Um, did I say this on the podcast, but I think they could be the, the Western Conference Indiana Pacers? Yeah. Did and, I say you know, that? I, I believe you did. Oh, and, well. and I, I think foul trouble for the bigs is going to be huge. So is points in the paints. Uh, Derek Favors has quietly been a monster. Oh, absolutely. Averaging 21-8, and eight, giving them two blocks, or two steals and a block. Then you've got Gobert to his side, the Stifle Tower. 13 rebounds, 3.7 blocks. That is just going to be a very difficult front line to score against. Gordon Let Hayward. Us, Gordon Hayward. But the guy who on the, the wing has been been the stud has been Rodney, Rodney Hood. Hood. 15 yeah. points per game. And so 
We haven't even talked about Trey Burke, who is a blazer killer. Watch out for Trey Burke. I said it right here. We said it a few weeks ago, too, when I made fun of him. say this every time we talk about the Jazz. Trey Burke kills the Blazers. Portland needs to limit him if they want any chance in this game. And we haven't even mentioned Alec Burks. Um, is, they're do gonna you think be, he's the best guard? Because I kind of do. Alec? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. He just, you know, he's he's coming back from the injury. I think he's all around better offensively than XM. Better defensively than, than Burke. He just, you know, he, he kind of combines the best of both mm-hmm. worlds with those guards. Yeah, it's it's gonna be gonna be a tough task for for the Blazers. I really just hope uh, we keep this one close. Like I said, Gobert and Favors are just a tough task inside. Can the Blazers muster anything in the paint? They're gonna have to drive into the teeth of the defense. But will will they be able to? you know, set their teammates up. I, I don't envision us attacking Gobert and having too much success. So if the three's dropping, which it could, mm. Portland will be looking pretty. If not, it could turn ugly. Uh, the Memphis game, Memphis is currently on, you know, a five-game road trip. As we mentioned, they got drubbed by 50 in, in Golden State last night. They play Sacramento tonight. And let's look at how that game's going. They did end up winning that game 103-89, to so they bounced back quite nicely. Uh, Sacramento's never an easy easy te- um, team to play at home, but we don't get them on back-to-back. We're their middle game, uh, so they go to Portland, Utah, and then at the Clippers. We both think that's going to be a scrappy win for Portland. Dame remembers the playoffs. I think the fans are going to remember the playoffs, although the teams are going to look pretty different. This is going to be a different Portland team than Memphis has scouted before. It's not Who's going to Tony be... Allen going to guard CJ or Dame. I think he's going to go CJ. Uh, like the last time, CJ has got to take him off the dribble. And I think the key for Portland to win that game is Myers. He was so key in those victories by spreading the defense. Vonley has potential. He just hasn't shown it yet. And you definitely don't want Ed Davis or Mason Plumlee shooting too too much too many shots outside. Is Mason going to guard Gasol? Because we got to think about defense. Because no, I know. And what I'm, I'm not worried about. I'm worried about Zebo because yeah. Zebo, he could get our bigs in foul trouble. I would actually, I think Ed Davis is going to play a huge role in this game in the victory for the Trailblazers. Um, Ed Davis against his holy backwards team. against his former team, who he said didn't really give him a chance to play. Holy backwards man crush of the season. He's in Ed Davis, leading the team in rebounding 8.8 boards per game in only like 20 minutes a game. He is gonna he's gonna be the one playing defense, uh, setting the tone. I think he's gonna draw the assignment on whichever big maybe shows uh, how well they're playing offensively. You know, gets into a, a rhythm early. I think Stocks will send Ed Davis in there, and I think Ed Davis is gonna be in the finishing five, like we've been talking about. You know, uh, these these past few episodes. But what is it about Detroit that you don't think a win's gonna? Gonna happen. I think the. Uh, I don't see us stopping Drummond, and, and Reggie could get hot, or one Yo, of those I, guards might get hot. I think it's another backcourt game. I really? think you've got Damon CJ versus Reggie Jackson and KCP. I think whichever backcourt, actually, scrap that. Our backcourt needs to significantly outplay their backcourt uh, for Portland to win. But they, they, they've had problems guarding Markeith Morris. In the two games, now they're going to get his brother Marcus. He's averaging nineteen point three points a game. He's leading. He is uh, showing off, man. The he Pistons well. definitely showing, showing the Suns. Like, what did you do? Uh, you shouldn't have traded me just for your lousy attempt at signing Lamarcus. But this team has had three solid wins: Atlanta, Chicago, and Utah. 
So they're definitely well coached with Stan Van Gundy. They've got that beast in the middle. The one bugaboo Drummond has is free throws, and we do have a plethora of bigs. If it comes to it, hack him. Do not let him score inside. Ugly the game up. With our fans, I think we could muster a win. I just think it's one of those games where you look at and you say, yeah, the Trailblazers are going to win, but you go back after the season and go, oh, that was a loss. It's just going to be one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think kind of like the Phoenix game at home, you wish you, sh- you, wish you should have won it. You probably should have won it. I'm just not sure they're going to figure out a way, but I think they're going to rebound the next night in Denver, like we mentioned, uh, to go to, what would that be, 4-4 four and four on the season? At this point, I, I don't think you can really have for much more. Yeah. And for everyone who is talking tank already, yes, I want a number one draft pick more than I want to make the playoffs. But we are four games into the season. Let's not worry about wins and losses. Chill out on that. Yeah, chill. I mean, Everything will sort of... You can it. think about that in December, January, February. Yeah, let's, let's just enjoy... Let, have some optimism about this team. Have some optimism. Enjoy the wins when they come. We're not Chris Kamen is not winning games for us. Our superstar point guard Damian Lillard is winning games for us. Yeah, stop Our, talking about fringe players winning games. Like, exactly. Just because we have a, a lot of money doesn't mean we have to sign people. It's exactly. star players and culture. So we have one. That's how we're going to win games. Is Damian you Lillard got, playing well? It's you know, not going to be culture. Luke Ridenhauer or whoever Perry Jones the third. That's not going to win you a championship. You know, there's no Paul Crawfords or Raymond Feltons this year to get angry at when they're taking shots in the clutch. It's Dame, it's CJ, it's Al, probably going to be Gerald. It's going to be players who are going to be here for a while. Maybe not Gerald, but you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no one really to get upset about if they're scoring. Like, they're all young. They're all in the same career arc as Dame. As I said, winning breeds culture. You need to learn how to win. A number one pick it would be fantastic. But we, we've got to win a couple games to get there, folks. We don't want to be a historically bad, bad, bad team. We got to get over twenty wins. I mean, even More if you wanted to tank, you're still going to win some games. Yeah, you're going to win and be happy about those. I've been through those seasons where you root for losses, and I'll fully admit that. Yeah. And it has you and has, I have together. Yeah, for sure. This is not one of those seasons where you're really actively rooting for losses because, like I said, you're not having guys. And this was pre Lillard when you're having guys like Nicholas Batum or Marcus Camby or Kurt Thomas, Gerald Wallace winning games for you mm-hmm. players who don't really didn't really have a future or you didn't think had a future with the franchise winning games it, it's the only player that i would be upset about at winning a game in probably march or april would be chris Kamen, just because i don't see him coming back mm-hmm. every other player has a chance to come back and contribute and continue to grow with this team so just enjoy it rip city it's basketball it's beautiful so do we have some twitter questions and some facebook questions we do have some Twitter questions. We have. We need to get our theme music, Sage. We yeah. need to get that. Mail time. All right. <laughs> it's hard. That's, I mean, it's hard to think it's a mail time song. Let's just rip off. Okay, I mentioned it right here. We need to rip off AOL with the. Uh. You've got mail. Let's just do it. All right, so we do have mail. First question comes from at Evan M. PDX. He says, when. Henderson is healthy. Whose minutes will be most effective? Crab or Harkless? Aminu seems cemented. We already touched on this in the podcast. Or, excuse me, Sage seems to think it's going to be more Harkless. I think it's going to be Alan Crab. Through the recording of this podcast, my mind hasn't changed. Uh, what about you, Sage? Not, not really. I mean, you got to see what happens, man. 
we we can predict all we want, but it, it's what Terry decides. And if Terry decides Mo Harkless is going to get the minutes, we got to see how that works out. I, I think it's going to be a very fluid situation for a while. You know, and it won't one be thing definitive. I, was, I, I think while. it almost needs to be definitive a little bit, um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Last year, Myers Leonard and Thomas Robinson got yanked in and out of the rotation along with Joel Freeland. Neither, none of the three players knew when, where, who, why they are going to play on that night. And to be quite honest, neither of them really showed. I mean, Joel played good defense, but T-Rob could never get into a rhythm. Myers could never get into a rhythm. Stotts needed to say for 10 games, hey, I'm going with you, Alan. If that doesn't work out, Mo, Mo, you've got the next 10 games as the backup three. He needs to let these guys play with a free mind, as we've seen with, with Myers and CJ in the playoffs. When they knew they weren't getting pulled and going to the bench, mm-hmm. they balled out. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see the same with one of these two guys. Obviously, you want competition and practice, and that should be rewarded as well. But when you're constantly overlooking your shoulder, especially as a reserve, you're not going to play to your full potential. So I have got one more from at Dr. Jack's Blazers. Dr. Jack wants to know, what is Stott's biggest challenge to overcome this season? I mean, that, that's a loaded that's question. That's a man. very good question. That is a very good question, man. You know, I'll, I'll take the first stab at it. I mean, because right. hey, you've got time to think of this. This is no, all I didn't. on the spot. I've this question twice, okay. but I was, too, I, you know, I was researching Andre Drummond's stats, Steph Curry, you know. We, plus yeah, we, you've researched hard. I, I commend you for this. No, episode. thank you. But what immediately popped into my head was his biggest challenge and what he's already succeeded at is relying on Damian Lillard. I think as an NBA head coach, no matter how much faith your owner and general manager show in you, you are always judged by wins and losses. They'll come out publicly and say otherwise. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is they're going to judge you by wins and losses. And there are going to be times, like last night in Minnesota, where he's going to want to put Damian Lillard in. He's going to want to play him 44 45 minutes a night, he can't. This is not the season to wear out Dillard. We need to see whether the other players have anything in them, whether they can survive you know, five, six minutes without their leader and superstar. So I think that's going to be his biggest challenge, is how is he going to utilize Lillard in an efficient manner without, you know, I would say, overwhelming him too much. We don't want to put too much of the, of the burden on Lillard. He'll treat if it was up to Dame, he would play 48 minutes every single night. Um, he's a warrior. He never wants to come out of the game. He has a true love for the game. But, you know, this is his fourth year. Like, let's, you know, it's, we want Dame around for forever in Rip City. Yeah, he has a five-year so, contract. Don't wear him out in year one. contract coming up. So, you know, let's, let's pace him. Mm-hmm. You know, let's pace him. That's my biggest challenge for Coach Dots. What say you, my friend? Well, Mine is very similar, and it's to give everybody an equal opportunity to show what they have. Because you don't want to cut, you don't want to leave someone if they haven't shown everything they got. So I want to see an equal opportunity for all the the fringe players, all the young players. I so see what, what, equal what players in mind, though? Because I think more players are cemented than others. I think the backup small forward between Crab and Harkless, I think... Um, the bigs, I want to see, I want to Plumlee get enough minutes to shine. I want to see what everybody has, basically. And I think him managing rotations, their chance is going to be his biggest challenge. So it's very similar to yours, but, you know, you got to see what these players could do with Damian Lillard, because he is the star. So giving some players a chance to play with Damian that wouldn't 
normally. Getting 25, Myers getting 26, um, Von Leg getting 15. Uh, I would like to see Von Leg get a little bit more, and Myers probably a little bit less until he starts to um, find his rhythm. But you know, I think he's doing a good job, and we're kind of starting to see who's separating themselves in that finishing five. You know, I love seeing Von Leg get those late fourth quarter minutes because of his defense. Ed, obviously, his off, uh, his defense, his hustle, his rebounding. Um, I think that's what's really going to you know, set these bigs apart is who gets these crunch time minutes. But overall, I've been pretty pleased with how he's he spread spread the wealth in terms of those those minutes. Dr. Jax Blazers asked me about the the going under screens question too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't get that that ad mentioned on the holy backboard account. So he, he Oh said, no, he he asked me because he respects oh, me. No. No, big, <laughs> big Blazer fan over here, Sage in this in this Pelican sweatshirt I'm looking at right yo, here. But. If I had yo, if you guys want to buy me a Michelin Nest Blazers Please, I would Is be glad. you want Christmas age? No, I want size fourteen sneakers. Well, you know, you know, Santa, Santa Haas, he'll, he'll come. He comes through in the clutcher in Christmas time. So, yeah. asking you shall receive. So, I mean, what, it, what's that question for, from Doctor Jack's Blazers? Doctor Jack's Blazers is the man. Uh, oh, sure. I mean, we got some great fans. I really love the fans that we have. Why? Why do we continue to go under screens? You know, I think that's a, a Terry Stotts philosophy. He's yeah. implemented that since day one. They switch on pick and rolls, which kind of drives me drives me bonkers sometimes. And they always go under screens. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't mad at going under screens against the Suns. I'll live with Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe shooting from twenty five feet rather than inside the paint, which they both, you know, just just feast at normally. But when it comes to guys like you know the Steph Curry's of the world, he might not be the best example just because he's <laughs> such a beast and so hard to defend. But when you've got maybe a, a Westbrook or a CB3, try to go over those screens, fight through the screens, make it a little bit bit tougher on the defense. Maybe not do the same thing over and over just to you know throw the defense off rhythms. So maybe if they did go over the pick against the Suns once, um, just to see how they would react. Because if an NBA player knows that you're going onto the screen every time, that's going to make them a little more comfortable when they're shooting the jump yeah. shot. I, I would love to see some hedging on screens because you have the, we have the athletes to do it. I'm going to go Royal We. We have the athletes to do it. Okay. We have the athletes to hedge on screens, and I think if we just did that sometimes, it'd be a – your cat's so awesome. You know, Bass is hedging on the laptop right now pretty hard, <laughs> yeah. hoping for these treats. He's probably going to get some treats after – after after the game or after this uh, episode recording tonight, uh, fun fact: after every Trailblazers <laughs> win, he gets, he gets fancy feast. So you know, Bassie's not about that tank life. Bassie's oh. about fancy feast. And hey, if anybody from Fancy Feast is listening, hook me up with a promo. You know, hook me up with some with some goods. I'll definitely shout you out on Twitter. Uh, my cat loves Instagram. your product. I mean, where do you go from there, Sage? I think we've you know we've had we've had a great episode. It, it's running. You know, pretty long right now. Bassie's getting pretty restless. He's wanting those treats. So, the Trailblazers, two and two at the moment, as of this recording. But it's time it's time to say goodbye. But it's we'll be back. We're going to try to start okay. recording on more of a consistent basis. And now we've hopped around times. Uh, we're going to start trying to record on Monday nights, getting this episode out to you every Tuesday. So, again, if you have those questions, send them to us. At Holy Backboard PDX on uh, at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, which we love. We're very active during games. We're always tweeting. That's at Holy Backboard. You can catch this podcast on SoundCloud and Stitcher at Holy Backboard PDX. Please give us a listen. 
Give us those likes. Uh, we love hearing from our fans. You guys are the best. You're the reason we really do this podcast and get so much enjoyment out of it. I'd love it if you guys wrote some comments on one of the SoundCloud or the Stitcher. You know, yeah, give us some comments. Show us some love. Or, or give us five stars, man. No, no, we love our fans. Um, you know, Long Story Longer, Kim Thrasher, Dr. Jack's Blazers, Evan M. PDX. The you Enforcer. Know, the Enforcer. I mean, you guys, you know, it seems like we're getting uh, an awesome fan every, after every episode that we interact with and uh, definitely makes the show much more fun when we know you guys are listening. So right before we sign off, again, Blazers tomorrow night in Utah, followed by a Thursday night game against the, the Grizzlies, a playoff rematch from last year on TNT. They get the weekend or the Friday, Saturday off before returning back to the Rose Garden Sunday night against the resurging Pistons, and they'll wrap up the week. We will be recording live after the game against the Nuggets at the Pepsi Center. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a Trailblazers victory. But until then, Sage, you know, let's go Trailblazers. Let's see what this team's got and let's enjoy Four zero this week. Prove us wrong, Blazers. Let's go four zero this week. Go Blazers! All right, all right. Peace. Let's go.